you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Come on, if you're not ashamed to praise His name, why don't you do that right now? Come on, put your hands together and lift up your voice unto the Lord. Isn't he worthy to be praised? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to the name of the Lord. Glory to the name of the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Remain standing with me tonight. It's an honor to have you here. If you are a guest here on this Sunday evening, welcome to our annual back-to-school service on Sunday evening at CLC. Give all of our guests a great big God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. It's our honor to have you. And of course, I would be amiss if I didn't recognize some folks that traveled a very long distance here tonight. And it does my heart good to see... Brother Evan's parents and grandparents with us tonight. I love to see the generation support the next generation. And I appreciate all the elders that are here, even if you don't have a student that was on the platform tonight. Thank you for being here and supporting the next generation. Amen. Amen. So very thankful and excited about what God is doing among our youth. While many of us are in bed asleep early in the morning, many of our youth have been coming to church here to the building and they have been praying. Brother Evan has been a remarkable leader since he has stepped into the position as youth pastor here and has been exemplary in many ways to our young people. And I'm so incredibly thankful Brother Evan, for your leadership, and uh, Sister Mikkel, for your leadership. Thank you. And while Brother Evan is up front, I happen to hear Sister Mikkel say today, don't bring me up on the platform, but I can tell you she's always busy behind the scenes, and nobody works any harder than Sister Mikkel, and we love her as well and appreciate all that she does. Amen. We are blessed. We are blessed with the best. And uh, Brother and Sister Gilliland, I, I want to thank you for lending your son to CLC. He's part of our family. And so we feel like that we're related in some way. And in the kingdom of God, we know we are. And we are so blessed. We are so blessed and so thankful for their ministry and that God has brought him here. This is Brother Evan's first time, not the first time to preach, but the first time to preach in this pulpit at CLC and specifically on a Sunday night. And so I'm going to tell you that teaching often is just information that we are giving, but preaching, preaching requires some response It's a little dialogue. It's a little, there's some response involved. And I want to know tonight by a showing of hands, how many of you are going to help the preacher and make it easy on the preacher tonight by supporting and responding to the truth of the Word of God? Yes. 
Yes, 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 yes. Now, here's what I want you to do, and specifically all of our children and young people, I want you to extend a hand forward, everybody in the room, toward Brother Evan before he walks to this pulpit to preach tonight. And I want you to pray the anointing of the Holy Ghost to rest upon him right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for his ministry, and now we ask that you anoint the lips of clay to deliver and preach your word right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, church, let's, let's lift that praise up to the Lord today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Come on, we can take a moment and thank God for all that he has done in our lives, all that he's doing right now, and all that he's going to do. Amen, amen. I do feel your support tonight. I love all of you, and uh, about... Half of my notes tonight are just how much I love you. <laughs> and I mean that. I, I love this youth group. I love each of you so much. And I'm so thankful for a youth group that believes in prayer. I'm so thankful for a youth group that's ready to step out and to act. I'm so thankful for a youth group that's up here every Sunday and every Wednesday worshiping, leading this church in worship. And it's not just this way here. When we go out and when we go to a youth rally, let me tell you, they are, they, they are the head of the team. <laughs> they are the first ones in the altar. They, they circle up for prayer before everybody else. They're up in the altar as soon as that first beat is hit. And I am proud of you, youth. I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for you. I love you. I'm, I've already said how much I'm proud of you for all the work that you've done all year long. Thank you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving my wife. Thank you for being so good. Thank you. I love you guys. And I would also be, I, I would be remiss if I did not say exactly how much I love my pastor and pastor's wife. Amen. Church, do we love our pastor and pastor's wife? They are like family to me. They have taken me in way back when, when I didn't know, you know, left from right. And I was just coming in as a college student, not much older than these guys. They brought me into their home. I basically lived in their house for about four months and ate all their food, still eat all their food. And, uh, and, and, and I have so much to thank them for. Um, I also want to take just a little bit of time. Is this okay? Is this all right? Okay, I want to take a little bit. Of, we're a family. We love each other, right? Youth parents, I love you so much. <laughs> I have felt so much support from you. My wife and I talk about it all the time, just how supported we feel. You don't give us problems. We're not, we're not constantly fighting against you. You live apostolic lives. You lead your youth in your home. I, I've, got, I've got notifications on my phone of your students reading their Bibles, and it sends me a notification on my Gmail, and they read their Bibles, and that's because of your support and your, and your household, what you are doing at home. So thank you. Thank you, youth parents, and of course, my family. I love my mom and dad, and I love my grandma and grandpa. Grandpa's coming up on, on his 90th birthday. <laughs> I'm excited about that. And you know what? These are some apostolic pillars right here. They've been in it for over 80 years, and they're still going strong in Jesus' name, baptism, and infilling of the Holy Ghost, one God apostolic tongue-talking movement right there. I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for them. Thank you for coming to support me tonight. I know that you all have a long drive, and Dad, you got to get up early for work, so thank you for coming. And of course, my beautiful wife, thank you for all you do. I know you're shaking your head. You don't like attention, but I love you, and I need you. Thank you for putting up with me. So thank you for standing. I know you've been standing a while, and uh, you're probably going to be standing most of the night. I hope if you'll preach with me. Youth, we've been practicing something in class, right? So if I say something that you like, what do you say? Amen. Amen. And if I say something you really like, what do you do? Amen. And I need that. I need you guys behind me tonight. And so I, I want to take us to uh, John chapter 4 and verse 38. The title of my message tonight is The Supernatural in Samaria. The Supernatural in Samaria. So turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4 and verse 38. When you have it, say amen. Amen. Okay, that's most of you. I, and this is Jesus talking. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. 
If you're a disciple, say amen. Good. Jesus says, I sent you. Say, that's me. I sent you to reap. The word reap just means harvest. That whereon ye bestowed no labor. Everybody say, no labor. Other men labored. And ye, say, that's me, are entered into their labors. One more time as you close your Bibles, lift your hands and give a shout unto God. Clap your hands with a mighty shout. God, I praise you. God, I worship you. I adore you, Jesus. I need you tonight, God. I pray that you would anoint my mouth to speak your words, God. Let me preach in faith boldly, God, believing that you will encounter, we will encounter you tonight, and that you will back up your word with signs following. If you are a believer, you may be seated in Jesus' name. Good. We're all believers. (laughs) We're all believers. I believe that we are on the absolute cusp, right at the breaking point of end time harvest. Does anybody believe that? In the past 10 years, I got a text from my brother just a few minutes ago of a picture from 10 years ago almost to the day of where I was when I was 16 years old. And I began to think about all that God has done in my life in the last 10 years. And it is of no doubt to me, I have no doubt in my mind that we are at the end of days. Do you believe that? I have no doubt in my mind that we are the end time church. Say amen if you believe that. I believe that the Lord is sending an unprecedented harvest. We've seen it in the Philippines with over 135 filled with the Holy Ghost in one week's time. With not somebody afar off, but with the people from this church right here. I believe that God is pouring out his spirit unlike ever before. And I believe that an outpouring of the Holy Ghost and that an end time harvest is approaching Frankfurt, Indiana at an unprecedented pace. I know we have no time to waste. If you're waiting for a run for, for a one runway for me tonight to take off, it ain't happening. I'm in helicopter mode. Right now, I believe that we have everything that we need to see revival. I believe in you, Jack, and in you, Aiden, and in you, Taryn, and in each of you that God has ordained specifically for you to be in the youth group right now in 2022 in your schools where you are right now to to bring in an apostolic harvest that we have never seen before. I believe without a shadow of doubt in my mind that we have been brought for such a time as this. We've heard it for a hundred years now that end time harvest is here. It started in Topeka, Kansas. It went to Houston, then to Azusa Street, and now to the rest of the world. The Bible says that this promise, the promise of the Holy Ghost and of harvest is for you, say that's me, and your children, and all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. That is us, church. Students, that is you. This promise is unto you and to your friends and to your schools and to everybody that you encounter. There is no reason that we should settle for a youth group of 35. We ought to be 150. Come on, I believe right now. We heard it this morning that there is a prophecy that this youth group is going to quadruple. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. I'm a believer. 
You have been brought for such a time as this. It is not an accident. Can anybody say amen? Some would say I'm an accident. I say I'm a surprise. Some of us here are surprises. But it is no accident that you were born. It is no accident that you were born into the truth of the apostolic doctrine. Come on, if you can't get behind me on this, you're not going to get behind me tonight. It is no accident. There is no reason for us to be held back but our own mind. Come on. Come on, I believe with everything in me that I have been anointed, that you have been anointed for such a time as this. <laughs> Apostolic harvest is coming here. This is not something that's just for a far off. Let me tell you this. Jerusalem is on the other side of the world. Wake up call. Frankfurt, Indiana is the uttermost parts of the earth. And not only for Frankfurt, but for Clinton County and North Central Indiana and everywhere else that the Lord will open up a jurisdiction of revival that sits on our pastor. I believe right now that there is anointing on every single one of us that is submitted to our leadership. Our leadership has vision. Our leadership is anointed. Our leadership has God behind them and with them. It's no accident that you've been brought for such a time as this. Students, I can think back to when I was your age. Not much older than you. I was 18. And it sticks out in my mind. And something got a hold of me. And I said, I desire the move of God in my life more than anything. And I can remember, Mom, I remember, I don't know if it was Sunday or what it was, but I remember walking into the bathroom of our house, our little tiny bathroom. We, okay, y'all, I had, what, eight people in our house and one little tiny bathroom and one mirror to get ready on Sunday morning. Oh, I don't miss those days. Well, I do miss those days, but I don't miss the mirror trouble. <laughs> but I remember walking in the bathroom, Mom. And I had something got a hold of me. And I felt the call of God in my life. I first heard it when I was 13. Some of you are 13 right now. I, I first felt the call of God in my life. And this morning, each of you raised your hand. Each of you, every single one of you raised your hand and said you felt the call of God on your life. And I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And I walked into the bathroom and I said, Mom... I feel like I need to go to Bible college because I didn't know what else to do. I had a call on my life. And at that time, my mom and I were both very logical. We're both realistic. My wife calls it dream killing. I just call it being real. <laughs> but I walked into the bathroom and I said, Mom, I want to go to Bible college. I feel like God's telling me to go to Bible college. I want to do something with my life. I want to do something for God. And she said, honey, I believe that, but we have no money. <laughs> and I said, me either. <laughs> and I prayed, and I fasted, and I prayed, and I fasted. I said, God, I want to do something with my life for you. And weeks passed, just a few weeks passed, and I had gotten my first job, which ended up being my best job because it was my worst job, if you know what I'm talking about. I can always say I've done worse for less. <laughs> but I was at my job, and I got a call from my mom, and she said, the Lord's done something. I need you to read some mail when you get home. When you're a kid, you love mail. I hate mail now. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so I got home, and I opened up that letter, and in there was a scholarship I was one of five chosen. This is the Lord because I was not a straight-A student. I was one of five chosen for the presidential scholarship to go to Purdue. 
It paid for all my tuition. It paid for all of my, for all of my living expenses. It covered everything. And I thought, Lord, well, this, is, this must be you. I don't know. At that time, I didn't know that I could hear the word uh, of the Lord. I, didn't, I, I knew that I could read my Bible. I knew that I could hear the word of God through my parents. Come on, somebody. If you've got godly apostolic parents in your life, this is just a little commercial. If you have godly apostolic parents in your life, you better be submitted. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful for their leadership. And I also knew that I had my pastor. And so I went to the Word of God, and I didn't find anything about Bible college in here. And I went to my parents, and they said, well... We, we, we support you in everything you do, but we need to talk to pastor. And so we, we went and we talked to my pastor, and this letter had come in, and, and it was decided that it was the will of God for me to go to Purdue. And I'm going to be honest with you. I was a little frustrated because I thought I understood the path that God had for me. And I was a little frustrated, and I thought, man, is this really it? And you know what? Something came over me, and I began to think in my mind, and spiritual warfare began to happen between my ears. And I began to think, well, maybe I'm not called. And as situations be, in life begin to come your way, you will have things that may, will make you question your calling. And I began to question my calling. I began to question whether I was actually called to ministry, whether I was called to preach, whether I was called to do anything for God other than to go get a job, to get an education, and to become a good tithe payer and a supporter and to be there. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we're thankful for all of you who have been called to that. If that is your calling, then you need to do it with everything that you have. You need to give everywhere that you can give. You need to be at every single event that we have. You need to support. But I began to question whether God was favoring me in my life. And I began to question whether I actually had heard the voice of God when I was 13 years old. And I went to church camp. Does anybody love church camp? Amen. I still love church camp. And I went to church camp and I was 18 at this time. And actually I had just turned 19. I was kind of a cheater. Some of you are cheaters too, but it's okay. I was 19 years old and I went to church camp. And Monday night I felt God call me back. I felt him pull me back. I felt him say, no, I have a ministry for you. No, I have something for you. And Tuesday night came, and I felt God call me back and call me forward and call me to him. And Wednesday night came, and I got a hunger for souls, and I got a hunger for revival. And Thursday night came. And Thursday night came, and they preached again on the call to ministry. First nights they hadn't preached on that, but they preached on the call to ministry, and I felt it so strong. And I had made up in my mind before church camp that I was not, I must not be called into ministry. I must not be called to do anything for the kingdom of God. But that Thursday night, I had been confirmed and confirmed and confirmed and confirmed. And I told the Lord something. I told him, you know what, God? If I was going to live for you at Bible college, I'm going to live for you with everything that I have at Purdue University. I don't care if it's a Bible college. I don't care if I have pastors looking at me. I only care if I do what your will is for my life. And I shouted, and I danced, and I worshiped, and I made a covenant with God. It's a big word. It's a promise. I said, you promise me something and I will promise you something. I said, I promise that I will live for you with everything that I have if you promise to send me to a harvest field. If you promise to use me to see people filled with the Holy Ghost, to see people restored, to see people saved and brought to salvation, does anybody else want to see that in their life? Does anybody else want that on their life? Does anybody else want to look back on their life and see what the Lord has done in your life and in others through you? And I went to Purdue, and I came... Over time, I began to wonder, is this really it? But I pressed on, and I pressed on, and I pressed on, and I pressed on. And I found something out about the world. 
I grew up in a pretty sheltered environment, and it was good for me. And for some of you who feel sheltered, you be, should be thanking God for that. Come on. Apostolic households ought to be a safe place. They ought to be a place that we can feel safe and we can grow up and not be exposed to some things. Come on, anybody. I'm preaching to, I'm preaching to some parents right now. There's some movies that your students should not be watching. There are some people that your students should not be talking to, should not be hanging out with. You need to be careful where they are going, where their time is spent, what is on their screens. I didn't mean to go into that. <laughs> but my walk with God has been in an agreement with Him. I have an agreement with the Lord that if He sends me, He will bring a harvest. I am not here by accident. I have not been sent here by accident. And the harvest is not coming because of me. I am here because the harvest is already here. I am walking into the labors of the generations before me. We ought to be thankful for the pillars that the Lord has set up before us. I got to hear some stories of some of the apostolic heritage that is in this church. And there are prayers. There is fasting. There is all kinds of consecration that has gone before us. I'm thankful for apostolic pillars. I'm thankful for our heritage. We need that heritage. But harvest is here. And now is my time to step into the reaping field. To get back to my text. John chapter 4. I love John. John. There's, there's four Gospels, right? We learned this in class. There's four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the Synoptic Gospels. It means that they're very much similar and very much the same, and they're patterned the same way. But John's totally different. I believe that this is because Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell what Jesus did. And John tells who Jesus was. Who he is. Do I have anybody in this house whose identity is in Christ? Amen. Is your identity in Christ? Do you take identity? When you went down in those waters, whether it was the other building or whatever, when you went down in the waters, you took on his name. You took on his identity. So as we read in John chapter 4, we find out something about the identity of Jesus. Therefore, we find something about our own identity. Jesus in this portion of scripture is in Judea. Judea is his hometown. It's where he belongs. It's where the Jews lived. It's where he felt comfortable because everybody looked like him. Everybody acted like him. Everybody talked like him. Everybody thought like him. Everybody did like him. Everybody celebrated the same things and put out the same things. This sounds a whole lot like the church. This sounds a whole lot like youth camp. This sounds a whole lot like youth rallies. This sounds a whole lot like NAYC. But Jesus, being in Judea, said, there is something that is drawing me outside of Judea. The Word of God says, and he needs go through Samaria. Samaria, what is that? It's a place. It's a place that actually was not very, uh, not very founded in the word of God. It was a place that had become mixed and confused and sin abounded and all kinds of perverse things were going on in Samaria because they had married between the Jews and the Gentiles and they had brought in a false doctrine and they had brought in all of these things and Samaria had become a place that was despised by the Jews, that was put off by the Jews and therefore the Samaritans themselves, the people that lived there, also did not understand the Jews, did not want to be a part of 
of the Jews and they despised the Jews for thinking that they were better or for, uh, for separating themselves from them. So much so, the Jews separated themselves so much so that they would walk around Samaria. Rather than go through and risk being tainted by the sin of Samaria, they said, I'm going to build a route that takes me around and outside of this place called Samaria. That way that I am not affected by anything that happens in Samaria. And we as apostolics need to recognize the mistake of putting yourself in a Pentecostal bubble by living under some kind of a mask when you're at school. Oh, come on. We ought not be going to school and putting makeup on when we get there. We not ought be getting to school and acting a fool and making jokes that we have no, no place making jokes in and doing all kinds of things just so we can fit in, walking around it. And we ought to have no place in being silent in the house of our schools. And Jesus, being in Judea, being in a safe place, being in where he felt like home, said, I have a need that is drawing me into the belly of Samaria. And Jesus set his shoulders square. He walked right on past that Y that would have led him around it. And he began to walk through it. And he began to walk into it. And Samaria, hear me, Samaria was a hard place. It was a dry place. It was a desert place. It was a place where Jesus, even Jesus... Got tired. Says it was midday and Jesus had come up on. Does everybody know what midday means? That's, that's, that's 12 o'clock noon. It was, it was the hottest part of the day. For those of us that work outside, that is the hottest part of the day. And I don't want to do anything but eat some raisin canes. We do that a lot. And so Jesus is walking through Samaria. He's stepping one foot after the other. I'm sure he's bumping shoulders with Samaritans along the way. And the Samaritans did not like the Jews. I'm sure that they were jeering at him and sneering at him because he looked a little different. He talked a little different. He acted a little different. He wasn't like they were. They didn't understand him. They believed that he was there to only to judge. And, they, and, and I'm sure that he rubbed shoulders with them on the way and became tired, became wearied, and he found himself at a well. And at this well, somebody else showed up. Samaritan woman. Let me tell you this. It was not customary for a woman to go and to draw water in the middle of the hottest part of the day. That woman was only there because she was equally as rejected as Jesus in Samaria. Are, are you catching this? Are you following? If you're following, say amen. This woman meets Jesus at the well. They're both hot, they're both sweaty, they're both tired, they're both beat up, they're bruised, their feet hurt. They've been laughed at, they've been pushed out. Come on. Students, I hope you have somebody in your mind at your school right now. Somebody that is equally as much of an outcast as you are. Even in the environment of school, they have become such an outcast, such a rejection from society that they sit in a corner and they attach themselves to an identity that is simply an expression of their inner pain. Come on. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you following? We have seven out of ten. He said it this morning in class. We have 7 out of 10 students under the age of 18 that have never walked into the doors of a school. Or of a church, I'm sorry. There we go. And guess what? We are reaching 20% that identify with the LGBTQ. 20%. One in five. These are hurting people. They've been hurt on the inside. So much so that they know not what else to do but to identify with their pain. 
And they've, so many of them have come to a place where they're hurting so bad that suicide rates are skyrocketing. It's happened even in our schools. There's so much pain. So many hurting people that the wells are getting crowded. The wells are getting crowded. Jesus had one. How many do you have at your school? Jesus had one. One was enough to draw him into Samaria. One was enough. One was enough. This morning, each of you raised your hand when, Brother Dylan, I've already said this, when Brother Dylan asked if you felt a call of God on your life, and not all of you raised your hand when he asked if you had accepted that call. Okay? And this is not, this is not, I'm not reprimanding you, I'm not getting on you. Because I can relate with you. I can relate with you guys. Feeling a call and not knowing what to do with it. I don't believe that you guys didn't raise your hand because you don't want it. Am I right? Say amen if you want the call of God in your life. Say amen. Amen. I believe and I felt it this morning and I feel it now. And I hope that you get with me if, if I'm right. But you just simply don't know what to do. And that's okay. You're, you're sitting here going, I have a call of God on my life. I have a school with hurting people that I can't relate to in any sort of way, shape, or form. And you don't know what to do with it. Well, guess what? I'm here to tell you what to do. All right? Is that okay? If I tell you what to do, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Amen? Do you really like that? There it is. <laughs> I believe in you guys. I believe in you guys. And Jesus, this is what you need to do, okay? Real simple. Jesus opened up his mouth. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's not that complicated. Jesus opened up his mouth and said to her, hey, can you draw me some water? Can you... Can you give me something? He asked something of her. And guess what her response was? It was very similar to what I expect people in your school to respond as. What do you have to do with me? You, you're a Jew. I'm a woman of Samaria. What, what in the world are you doing talking to me? Students, let me tell you this. The people who are hurting the most in your schools do not expect you to say anything. They don't expect you to say anything. They don't. But when you do, you will break something in their atmosphere. It will cause something to begin to shift and to change. And somebody who may have not ever noticed you before, but then you're the preacher's kid. You're the Christian kid. You're the one that doesn't make jokes or whatever. They may have only ever seen that before, but when you put interest in their soul, they will turn their attention to you. They will face their attention to you. And then she dropped on the ground and she rolled around speaking in tongues. No. No, that is not what happened. That is not what happened, y'all. She actually said, uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 what are you doing talking to me? You know, you, don't you know I'm the drug dealer? <laughs> Come on. Do you know the drug dealers in your school? I bet you do. Don't you know I'm the girl that hops from guy to guy to guy to guy to guy? What are you doing talking to me? Don't you know that, that you know, I, I, I'm the one that's got problems that nobody wants to talk about because I have anger issues? Don't you know that? And Jesus said, if you knew who you were talking to, if they only knew. 
if these students only knew the joy and the peace and the faith and the grace and the salvation and the eternal changing power of the name of Jesus, they would be asking water of you. Jesus said, if you only knew who you were talking to, you'd be asking water of me. I'll give you everlasting water that will quench your thirst forever. And guess what? She didn't roll around on the ground and receive the Holy Ghost and whatever else. She didn't even understand what he was saying. She didn't get it. She said, man, if you could give me this water, I wouldn't have to come back here no more. Whew, that'd be great. I wouldn't have to walk up to this well all hot and sweaty and whatever else. Thank you. You can be seated, guys. Thank you. And she says to him, I, 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 I wish I could have this. That sounds like a fairy tale. <laughs> they are not going to relate when you tell them about somebody, in, somebody being raised from the dead. But tell it anyway. They are not going to be able to comprehend what it means to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. No matter what it is that's going on in your household. No matter what it is. I don't care if your mom's sick. I don't care if your dad's sick. But there's joy in your life. And you can be the joy and the light to your world and to your schools. And they're not going to understand it. But tell it anyway. Say it anyway, preach it anyway, be it anyway. And this woman's at her wit's end and she's saying, give me whatever it is you have to give me. Even though I don't understand, even though I don't get it. And then something happens. Jesus changes her heart. There is heart-changing power. There is miracle-working power in the name of Jesus. We have the most powerful, the most authoritative, the most incredible and amazing gift that anybody on the face of this planet has ever had. And it's the name of Jesus. Somebody shout it with me, Jesus. Come on, shout it with me, Jesus. And when she had a supernatural encounter with God in Samaria, that is when things changed. There is the supernatural in your Samaria, in your school. People ought to be filled with the Holy Ghost in your lunch periods. People ought to be filled. Come on. I, is anybody going to preach this with me? You ought to be praying people through to the Holy Ghost at school. You ought to be preaching. You ought to be giving Bible studies. You ought to be showing faith. I know I sound like a crazy screaming preacher right now. But I believe in you. I believe in you. And you have been baptized with the power of the name of Jesus. When power and demonstration of the Spirit of God happened and something supernatural happened. She went from who are you and why are you talking to me to I perceive you're a prophet. What action? One move of God can change your entire school. One move of God, one move of God, one work of God, all it takes is one. Does anybody believe that? Let me finish the rest of my story and I'm almost done. And guess what happened? 
Jesus walked in from one. Jesus walked into Samaria. Tired, beaten up, bruised for one. And he walked out of Samaria with cities. That woman became such a powerful testimony for God. That one woman became such a powerful testimony for God that she told the entire city. All it's going to take is one. All it's going to take is one. All it's going to take is for one of you to get a hold of something, to get a hold of a burden. All it's going to take is for one of you to walk into your schools with an anointing on your shoulders that falls from pastor to me to you that will say, I am going to reach everybody I can. Jesus went to Samaria for one, and he came out with the cities. Music can come. If you're waiting for more revelation, it's not coming. This is all we need. All you need to do is open your mouth. All you need to do is get a little boldness. Say, I'm okay with being the weird kid. I'm okay being called the preacher's kid. I'm okay being called Amish. I've been there. I'm okay being the one not accepted if I can reach the one. Yes, come on. Preach with me today. If you believe that God has ordained and orchestrated everything up to this point, that we are ready for apostolic harvest and apostolic revival, I want you to come to the front. John 4 and 38, we read it once, we'll read it again. I sent you, that's me, to reap that whereon ye have bestowed no labor. I know for a fact that there are those of you right now that are thinking, I've never said anything, I've never done anything. I've never reached to anybody. And maybe I have and it's never worked. And I don't feel like I have enough. I don't feel like I've done enough. I don't feel like I've paid enough of the price. I, Jesus, sent you to reap that whereon you have bestowed a labor. God is sending you to your harvest field. All I need tonight, Holy Ghost, all I need tonight is one student to say I'm going to make a deal with you, God. I know my dad's not a pastor. I know my dad's not an evangelist. I know I've never spoken or preached or done anything. God, if you will send me to a harvest, I will go. Lift your hands. Lift your hands if you believe this. Oh, God, I pray that one student, that more than one student, that this entire youth group will let something come over them. That all of our student ministries, and kids, you can come up and pray too if you want God to use you. And adults, we need you parents to come up and pray with these students. I just need one. I just need one of you to say, let it be me. Let it be me. Oh, let it be me. Let it be me, Jesus. If you have any influence on these students, please come and pray. Please come and lay your hands on them. Just let it be one. 
just let it be one. Send me to that one, Jesus. Open my eyes to that one, Jesus. I'll go, Lord. I'll go if you send me to the harvest, Jesus. I'll go if you send me to the harvest, God. Send me to that one, God. Send me to that soul, Jesus.